0: Welcome to Kefaru Cast, everyone. Uh today I am the Ink Spot in the Bowl of Milk. I have Frank Peralta across from me, and to my right, the man Phil Mendoza, owner of Alpha Bow Hunting and No Limits Archery, and uh Archer Extraordinaire. Thank- Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> also, what are you the
1: What's the the bow hunting cholo? The cholo, the yeah, bow hunting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Self appointed, by the way.
0: Uh, I've never <laughs> been jumped into any <laughs> <Black> country <laughs> bow hunting game. <laughs> well, uh, Phil came in today. You know what? I don't even know why you we can't, just
2: not I was just in the area, man. Just come to say what's up. I hadn't seen you guys in a while. He's being the friendly local
0: Cholo. and uh, I think he rolled up in a pimped-out 4Runner. He did roll up in a... You son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. That thing looks good. That thing's sick, yeah. He's going to get more ass than a toilet seat. With yeah, that thing. well... Sorry, I boom. hope your wife's not listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Uh, we were started talking about a podcast i did yesterday with with dudley which kind of started to spiral down to like several rabbit holes which i stopped because i wanted to record a lot of this because i think it's important for people to hear this and And i will say i'm part of the problem with this uh with guys going into archery range and expecting maybe certain things that are unattainable or at a level far higher than they are specifically at and some of those different things, and Dudley and I talked about them yesterday. But but uh, I think coming from a guy, Phil owns. I guess you're the largest archery shop in Colorado, probably. Yeah, in the we've kind of gotten to that. Probably in the Western United States.
2: Uh, I don't know. We're I know we're up there for sure, but um, it's 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 an interesting topic. What we started <laughs> going down and can be frustrating at times, but it, it's very important to talk about.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I, before we get going, I want to make sure people understand this is not a slight or a, a negative thing towards anyone. This is an informational and maybe a... Opinion-based, right? Some opinion, but also a maybe a ground check or a, a, a check to yourself of your specific ability compared to your equipment's ability and kind of making sure all those things combine together. And And I'll say for, for me, if you're going to be a, a good archer, you not only need to be a good shot, you need to be a good bowsmith, you need to know, you don't, you know, you may not, you know, you may be on a level to, to to figure out different spines without using archer's advantage, right? Being able to figure that out, like I can walk up to Phil and say, hey, I'm going to shoot a 29-inch draw and I'm going to shoot 76 pounds, what what spine arrow? Well, you're going to be in a 300 unless you're going to be going with a whole bunch of FO, whole bunch of point weight, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Depending on your length. So, But that's the thing is that... Here's the other thing before we get too technical. You look at just manufacture to manufacture, mm-hmm. some of them are a touch off, right? So, in general, yes, that that you're in a 300 spine, you know, for that build, unless you've got a guy that just wants to leave his arrow super long for some reason or cut it super short. But, um, but that being said, there's there's starting points that the manufacturers give us, there's just so, so much repeat customers, repeat, customer, repeat um, setups that are similar that we deal with. They're like most times we don't have to look at a spine chart. Somebody walks in the door with a 400 spine arrow at a 72-pound bow and they're shooting 29-inch. And they, it's very evident why they can't get it to tune and, and shoot consistently or broadheads won't fly out of it.
0: Right. And I think that where you guys are having some issues maybe, and I'm going to bring up a few things of friends of mine because they won't get mad at me. Levi Morgan talked about the twist of the string and the way the arrow, if it's twisted to the left or to the white, if the arrow rotates out of the bow to the right and you're fletched with a left offset compared to if the string's twisted the other way, it may come out of the bow naturally twisting to the left, but you have right offset. Okay, so let's just rewind time <laughs> just for a minute. Say that again? No, I'm just kidding. Before Levi talked about that, I would say ninety-nine point nine percent of the planet didn't even know that happened. Um, I only I only knew it happened personally uh, because of some something somebody brought up and I'm like, well fuck, I guess I should go check. <laughs> and it's easier to figure out with a uh, a stick bow because you can just twist it one way and twist it sure. the other. It's compounds a little more problem. But rewind time before Levi brought that up, it didn't matter. No. Which means after Levi brought up it, it still really didn't matter. <laughs> um, I'm not saying what Levi said wasn't important, but I'm saying it, it's not important. Um, because so many people have been so successful before that, but I literally had multiple arch range call me and want to kick Levi in the nutsack. Because guys were coming in asking, hey, is it going to rotate left naturally or right? And and here's the the technical side of where
2: people want to, they see someone like Levi, right? Just... Top performing archer in the world, nothing but respect for what he's accomplished. Guys like that can get super technical and probably see subtle differences,
0: possibly, maybe. I, I
2: don't, don't know. Even I don't out know. Of a
0: Shooting machine. I don't think you noticed that, that shit. That
2: specific <laughs> one, maybe not. Right, but left helical, right helical compound. Some of the other things that that you know get kicked around, um, and even to the minute detail, some of those guys may and I say may be able to notice some of those things. Mm-hmm. The average guy, don't even, I mean, you you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. And that's where it becomes a touch frustrating from, from the pro shop. And now, again, I'm not trying to bash any customers here with this. It's just at the same token, if you're looking at eliminating variables with your archery setup, that's what you should be looking to do, right? Eliminate variables, improve yourself, your form, your execution, your follow through you're going to get better. Mm -hmm. If you look at, I'm going to build this one specific build, this one specific way, because XYZ people say it's the best. Maybe it does not lend itself well to your style of shooting, your bow and, and a combination of things. So, that's where it just gets to be. It's it, there's no there's no perfect fix, man. There's there's no right answer
0: for everybody. No, if you suck, it doesn't matter what your fuck is. <laughs> you're still fucked up. And what I had kind of brought up to Dudley is kind of everybody to think about. If you put a piece of duct tape horizontally at forty yards, and you put it together vertically at forty yards, and you're trying to micro tune, okay but you can't hit the duct tape to begin with? What the fuck are you really tuning? And I'll probably get... I'm not saying I can hit it, okay? Let's pretend I can't. I'm just saying common sense because I get bashed about being arrogant. I'm just saying for the greater good of the sanity of your local pro shop. And some pro shops are bad and some are good. I, I mentioned last night, like you guys are a great pro shop. There's some that won't pay attention to knock, pin, you know, how tight your sure. knock is and things like that. No Limits is not one of those shops. They are very good. But you can't walk up to Hog Nuts and expect him to miracle tune your bow if you can't hit a piece of tape at 40 yards. And and what I'm getting at is the way I have explained to like Frank before in different ways to tune is Shoot a horizontal line out to eighty, and it kind of taken half of your brain out of it. You're not as worried about left and right. That's going to tell you knock height, knock travel, shit like that. Okay. <laughs> then you aim at the vertical line. Okay. But if you can't hit that fucking tape anyway, it doesn't matter how much you index your arrow, how much point weight you have. You have to be able to hit the tape first, and then you micro tune once you're proficient at that.
2: Yeah, there's there's so many different. You know, I, I've I've heard. I think in the last 2 or 3 years some different terminology that I've and no, I'm not claiming to know everything I don't you know there's the guys that work behind me at the counter work on the bows 10 times more than I do now you know it's just I've gotten to be more on the running the business side of it as opposed to working on the customer side of it so at the same token I look at a new bow and I, and the guys are like yeah this has a tendency to do x or this has a tendency this is what we need to do to fix it it's like okay I'm picking up as I go with them with with new equipment At the same token, man, it's just, it becomes frustrating where people don't want to put in the work. Mm -hmm. They don't want to. uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I shot piss poor arrows for years and I was grouping fairly decent with them. Yeah. You know, Uh, consistency was bad. The components didn't fit in well, you know, and, but my form and my, my release, everything was coming together well. So when I started stepping up my budget and fixing my, my arrow, my arrow straightness and component alignment, checking some of those details, accuracy
0: also came with it. Right. Well, and, 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 and touching on that, how many people would you say archers that walk into your door, archers in general, leaving out the higher end ones, can, can, them, can hit a, uh, a paper plate consistently at 80 yards? Not a lot. Okay. So there's two things with that. And the one is either it's the form right they don't have the form or they don't have the setup mm-hmm. in my opinion all well all bows are all tech, all new bows are capable of hitting that plate which means it's the shooter and and i'm bad about always blaming myself even to a point where i'm like man i wish i would have looked into a little bit deeper because normally if it's i blame me it's not the bow so as uh, uh, a guy walks in and to to no limits archery and he's heard me say some dumb shit or Dudley or Levi or whoever else, and and I don't even think about it when I'm saying it. Um, I think something to the point of, and Frank's heard me talk about it, hitting a paper plate at 40. If you got one arrow dropping out, check that arrow, index the knock. Sure. Don't worry about setting it up initially to be perfect, meaning you want to fletch it exactly the same, cut it the same, same point weight. So when, when you say that,
2: it just reminded me of something. Go ahead and finish. I'll, I'll, I'll come back.
0: Well, there's different ways people talk about setting up arrows. And one, if you're going to build your own arrows, I say you donate as much time into that arrow setup as humanly possible. It's hours, I, a week. If you're asking a pro shop to do it, A pro shop has X amount of time they put into fletching that arrow, which generally means cutting them and keeping them square, gluing in opponents, slapping a a vein on, gluing it on, and rotating it. Don't ask them to drop it in a bathtub, find the spine line. (laughs) That shit is above and beyond, unless they pay you, what they should be doing. And when they do ask you to do that, if you don't have the capabilities of marrying up to that point of accuracy you shouldn't put them through the hassle of it, nor should you pay for it until you have put yourself in a position to ask for that type of perfection. Sorry. Go ahead. So,
2: you know, I, I listened to a podcast. It's been a while ago with Randy Omer, where he talked about he starts like four dozen sh- raw shafts to build his right. arrows. Yeah. How practical is that?
0: well, Randy doesn't pay for his shafts. Okay, so okay. Uh, again, right? Yeah, the, it's the like practicality.
2: $500, $600 in arrows, right? Uh, it's more than that, right? When you think about retail value, he's not shooting a, a 005 straightness shaft, you know, right. he's shooting
0: pro series shafts. So those are 200 bucks a dozen, let's say for a gold tip Pierce tour it's 219 with no components. Sure. So, so you're looking at something that's going to cost you a ton of money. And
2: uh, I'm going down the rabbit hole of the build right now on the Forerunner, right? So that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's <just getting> crazy. <laughs> but going back to the arrows, you look at something, and yes, typically we sell pre arrows that are your just cut and go type deal. And we have shafts and somebody wants to pay us. We will spin every arrow. We'll cut from both sides. If you want, we'll straighten the ends or we'll square the ends. I'll and take then, responsibility for that. I tell people to
0: do that. You I'm know sorry. I do that. Yeah. So
2: I don't see why you, if somebody wants that, you should be able to get that. Yeah. At the same token, we're just about to start some, we know we do a lot of workshops, an arrow building workshops. So we can teach people how to do their own, right? So it's something that it's important. Especially if you've been shooting for a while and you're like, man, I'm consistently hitting that paper plate at 60. I want to be able to hit it at 70 or 80. Okay, maybe it's in the details. Maybe your form is good. So, yeah, should you consider going that route? Absolutely. At the same token, when somebody looks at pointing blame for lack of accuracy, 8 out of 10 times is probably you, right? 8 out of 10 times, I'll say, maybe 7 to 8 out of 10 times. Like Aaron, you mentioned, rotate a knock. Do you know how little money goes into building a knock? You know, yeah,
0: very little. I know now because we had ours built. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> you, you think about can a knock be built way better? I'm sure it can. I'm, I don't know all the details of manufacturing. I've seen. I know a little bit about a little bit, but you start looking at what causes the imperfections, and it's like, okay, well, knocks are a big one. You know, center serving fit on a knock is is a, is another add to that problem, and then in in the same token. You buy a Pro Series shaft that doesn't spin for crap, well, that's it's consistency, right? Yeah. You, you want that consistent build within the practicality of your pocketbook. Mm-hmm. So it just gets to be frustrating where you can't have champagne taste in a
0: beer budget. No. That's more that's <laughs> <one issue>. banquet. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about well, when I first met you, um and because I didn't have that much money and I didn't get free arrows. I think I shot beam and tree bark 400s or 350s cricketer. I think they're plus plus with six, right? And uh, I cut them down off both ends, but I had a saw. And to help the straightness a little bit. And uh, and again, this was me, right? I couldn't ask the pro shop to do it because so I'd spin them and I'd, I'd index them. And inevitably, two to three hit triage, Right. Like, you got a guy with a bullet wound to the leg, you go down, and one's got a cut, and this guy, he's hard shot. He's fucking not going to make it. You had to throw those out, right? So those were stump arrows. But if you buy that level of of arrow, unless you're going to put in the work yourself, you're not going to um, get that that high level. The thing is, though, is I was at a level where I could shoot and weed out the weak, so to speak, or index them in. But again, even those were... At a discount, eighty bucks. No, sixty-nine bucks a dozen. So as a sixty-nine dollar a dozen arrow, or let's say eighty-nine dollar a dozen arrow, now from a scale of one to ten, ten being the most proficient arrow in the world, an eighty-nine dollar a dozen arrow now puts you at what a four? Yeah, it's pretty low. Pretty a three. Just keep that in mind. I'm saying for the because I get pro shops that call me hating on me all the time for talking about cutting off both ends of the arrows. I'm sorry ahead of time if you're listening. But a human can do that. Uh, each individual can go in and do that. You can't expect a pro shop to do it unless you pay for it. Well, and, and like I said, we offer that too, but it is
2: it is an add-on. I mean, that's that, that extra expense. You want to take the time to to build a uh, the best arrow you can. We're going to do that, I'm going to say, to a 9 out of 10. We're not going to do it to a 10 out of 10 because there's just certain details that you're not going to pay for. And I don't want to charge you for it because it gets ridiculous. Yeah. So, like you said, putting as much time as you can into the build that you can afford or that you want to invest your time into, yeah, you need to. It's just at the same time, if you're a new shooter, and don't take this the wrong way, get out and shoot your bow, right? If you can afford a $50, half a dozen set of 005 Hunter series, go shoot the piss out of them. And then once you learn to hit behind your pin, and if you don't know what that means, then keep shooting. You'll figure it out, right? (laughs) But until until you know where the mistake came from, so again, if that pin's floating low on the dot where you're aiming at and your arrow hits low, well, technically it wasn't necessarily a miss. Your point of aim was off, but your arrow hit behind your pin, mm-hmm. right? If, so if, if until you can do that proficiently and consistently, you're not going to be able to tell whether the arrow was at fault, whether you were at fault, or it was a combination of you, the bow and the arrow, right? So to be able to, like you mentioned, working on your bow, working on your arrow, working on yourself,
0: you you need to spend time behind the bow, man. I mean, it's just, that's point. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I would say, Frank, from when we first met you to now, you've probably bumped from a three to a seven um, as far as... Uh, shooting. Shooting, yeah. But I'd say you've bumped from a three to a five as far as a bow technician. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, I haven't, I haven't been seen shooting. that to I haven't be... Been,
1: f- I haven't been shooting very much, but, yeah, no, I think uh, there was a point, like I was talking about before we started this, where I was... Over analyzing things like arrow builds, which veins to use, um, certain equipment. And then one day Aaron was like, he probably got a little frustrated and was like, dude, you can't fucking shoot good enough to know the difference anyway. And I was like, damn, he's probably right. Like I should probably work on the fundamentals of shooting and form and, and everything else and learning how learning some of the tuning stuff that I could do personally. And yeah, I think that that goes with just about anything. Like we were talking about earlier with someone else on a podcast People overanalyze what gear they what gear they're going to take and what how much this weighs and this and that and uh, they should gain the field experience before they start worrying about the the minute details of things.
2: Well, and it's it it's it's funny. I mean, looking back and, and talking, I, uh, my son's nine now, and all he wants to do is go hunting. My oldest son, and all he wants to do is go hunting. And I remember when I my, I was eleven or twelve, and I went on my first actual four or five day hunt with my dad. We went to Walmart. He bought me a pair of boots that looked like uh, like black motorcycle freaking, you know, uh, combat boots. I don't know what the hell they were. And we were hunting in third season in Colorado. Got snowed on. Non-insulated boot. That thing was terrible. I mean, it was the worst boot choice I could have had. And I sucked it up, man. I mean, hunted with him, did not miss a beat because I didn't know any different. And the thing now with equipment, even the bow manufacturers have gotten honestly. They've when when they when somebody drops a turd, everybody knows they drop a turd. It's it's not it's it's not very it's not a you know uh, they don't keep it hush hush. It's just social media, the internet. So everybody's had to step up their game for the most part within what they're making. So you're going to get good stuff now for the consistently. Can you buy the best? Sure, but at the same time. Man, I tell you what, there there was always something I would like to I used to like when I used to compete on the ASA circuit. I used to really like to see those guys that hadn't shot for a while, and they'd come back, and they got a bow that's five, six, seven years old, and they came and whipped everybody's ass. Yeah. You know? And they got the old arrows, the old label on the arrows. They got a bow that's, again, seven, eight years old, and they can just flat shoot a bow. And you got all these guys with all the newest bells and whistles, and it didn't make crap a difference. So because those guys were willing to put in the time – you know, money may have restricted them from buying new stuff, but at the same time what they had, it, it's it's just proof that it's, you know, the whole thing, it's the Indian, not the, you know the I weapon. Know.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I um the I man, going through like whatever, uh what's the word? The glory days. I don't know what you want to call it. Reminiscing uh, reminiscing about like uh command cams on a hoyt back you know what yeah, I mean, yeah. back in the day and going through everything. Um, I would say you know people if they didn't, I'm not saying don't focus on gear. Focus on your form, For focus sure. on that. Once you get a handle on that, you're probably not going to need a, a Phil or an Aaron or a Dudley as much once you learn what you're doing because along the way of shooting, the other stuff comes naturally. You can't have one without the other. But I think when you skip the shooting part and go to the tech side, you aren't going to you can learn to shoot and tech at the same time, you're not going to learn tech. And to shoot, because you have to physically shoot the bow to yeah. learn that side. And it's just the nature of the beast. So I would have to say, um, you know, like uh, xx 78 were a big one in, what, 98, 99, 2000 time frame um, yeah. with the super swedges and everybody was shooting little ass duravanes and, and uh, whatever. And the 50 grain and 80 grain hot points were a big thing super low foc um bows weren't as fast and you know you've kind of evolved as time went on and acc was one of the better shafts hyper speeds and technology has gotten better and better and i would say a moderate shaft of today would be at a higher level shaft of 10 to 15 years ago and i don't think you look at like a photography A Canon 5D Mark II and III, which is technically ancient to some people, has shot some of the best photos in the history of mankind. Now there's all kinds of other stuff. That camera still takes some of the best photos. Now it doesn't have the megapixels and a lot of other things. Bows aren't really any different, you know. And again uh with photography it's the it's the photographer right a lot of it's the photographer it's the same thing with archery it's the archer and what i hate to see people do is dump tons and tons of money into this insanely insanely crazy setup but don't even have the ability to shoot half of what its potential is sure and i would say you see that what every day i I see it
2: regularly and and again that i don't fault people for wanting to have the best i want i want the best i can afford at, I just don't try to use that to mask what 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 is real, right? Accept it, you know. I I don't know, man. I mean, I, that's where I used to really like to compete with archery because I, I tell you, a good ass whipping was the best teacher for me. Yeah, I'd go out and thinking I'm ready, and I'd go shoot, and I'd get my butt kicked, and it was like, man, I'm not I'm not there, you know. Yeah, and you put the time and you learn and you work and and you move
1: forward, but um. So, like I said, I mean, you're right. The- I think people don't like to face adversity much anymore. That's probably why you're talking about people wanting to skip to the best. Like, it could be, it could be the same thing. Like, hey, dude, can you show me? I don't want your honey hole, but can you tell me where to go hunt? Like, they don't. They want to skip that portion of where you learn to what
0: to look for. Well, uh, I personally, would, I would. Yeah, and I would say you've been pretty honest when you went through target panic, you yeah, know, yeah. shooting the wall and looking around, like, what the fuck's wrong with all <laughs> this? I went through the same thing, and the one thing. That I try to let people know, like, if they're like, oh, don't you know everything? Well, I know a lot about a lot and a little about a little because I've already sucked, right? Yeah. I went through the sucking process. So now I don't suck as much because I went through what they're going through, you know, now. And so I'm able to, you know, help them out or try to. Thank you. Everyone say hi to Kaylee. She dropped off food. <laughs> um, say, uh, you know, uh, basically, go through all the trials and tribulations that Frank is facing now or, or has, you and I did 10 years ago yeah. or whatever. So I have peanut butter bars for everyone by the way. <laughs> but what would you say the number one uh, issue is with guys that you have come in as far as when you with shooting, is it is it a form issue? Is it a bow setup issue? Is it a combination? If you get to pick one, what would you say the biggest one is? Man, I tell you it's,
2: uh, it's tough because I think uh, everybody can get better, you know, form and execution-wise, myself included. I was just telling Frank about, you know, I went out and did some kneeling shots, kind of stretching it out a little bit, and my first couple rounds were like a shotgun pattern. And I'm like, man, I haven't shot like this for a while. I need to get back to understanding my posture, good follow-through, keep my bow arm steady, and and making a good shot all the way through the shot. By the third, fourth round, I was back to grouping pretty well. But everybody can get better. It's just... Man, I don't know. I mean, it. That's that's kind of a difficult question to answer. But let let me let me go back to where we started with this, right? People seeking information. I I I was huge when I was really getting going with our uh, looking for everything I could. I just think you need to be practical, be real, see where it applies to where you're going to hunt your your yourself, and be real about it. Like Frank said, you people don't want to. And, and and on a side note, I. I'm kind of having some issues with the mountain goat stuff myself cuz I drew a tag and looking for some some I've never set foot on the mountains where I'm going to be hunting. Yeah. But go on I'll, I'll get back to that in a sec. But I just think that seeking information is great. N- learning through other people that have made mistakes before you, man, s- slows slows or speeds everything up, right? Shortens the, the the learning curve. But there's something to be said for screwing up yourself and learning to fix it yourself. So, at the end of the day, I think that Pointing, the Looking back in the mirror and saying, okay, instead of getting pissed at XYZ guy in a podcast or some guy behind the archery counter or whatever because they didn't do this right for me, hey, you're the one holding the bow. You're the one releasing the arrows. See if you can figure out how you can best fix you first before you look at blaming your equipment for something. I, I, I just think it has to come back to that because, like you mentioned before, put a bow in a shooting machine. You can put a $400 bow in a shooting machine. And it's going to group arrows.
0: Yeah. If you have everything set up correctly on that, meaning halfway decent arrows, good knock fit, everything's true, everything within the capabilities, it's going to shoot extremely well. And, um, this could also transfer to like, uh, relationships. (laughs) 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 Damn, why did that relationship work out? Well, maybe I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) That's why I first read that. We are eating on the podcast. Sorry. Um, the five love languages. Yeah. Because I was like <laughs> Yeah, you gotta just <laughs> reflect from within. I had read it and I'm like, man, I'm a fucking horrible husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but being being realistic though, um and again, I we you know the Fox thing gets brought up a lot. Um which it's important to know your system, right? It's important to have a good idea of what you want, but you should know that system from some either your own background or somebody you trust background if that's somebody you trust background shoots and i'm not taking anything away from the fact that not everybody has a, a great schedule i i get that i understand that but find a guy with a better schedule that shoots more that might have more to reflect from meaning there's a couple guys specifically i can think of that shoot in a doe a year or two nothing wrong with that I'm, I'm happy that they get to hunt that much but there's other guys that have more viable intel and data because of their their financial situation or the, or whatever, and I'm not taking anything away from guys that can't hunt that much, I get that, but if you have a guy, well, I'll use me and Frank, they get to go on, I don't know, we shoot 30 animals, 40 animals a year. We're gonna have some pretty decent data to kick out. Sure. Yes, we're lucky, I get all that and we get to do what we do, but we're gonna be able to tell you like, Man, you know what? A 425 grain arrow is going to be just fine. Don't stress over it. You might want to shoot a fixed blade head, but no drama there. Then you go on a specific, I don't know, Facebook page where they're pumping extreme FOC, whatever. Well, it all seems to make sense if you read it, but how many of those guys put arrows through animals? It can't be denied an arrow, a heavier arrow is going to have momentum but at what cost of your pocketbook and so on and so forth when you gotta kinda take that into consideration. And I'm not picking on, I think Ashby's work was great and, and, and Flock makes sense in some cases, but if you're hunting a whitetail, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. I gotta tell you, when I listened to that podcast you did, I kinda tuned
2: out immediately when I heard him say, well, we had to stop using compounds because the arrows kept blowing through. I kind of, I kind of checked out at that point. I'm like, I'm just going to keep shooting my compound, man, and hopefully blow through everything I shoot. But I agree. I respect that. And even to add to what you said, I mean, like myself, I'm a five to seven, five to eight animal a year guy. And it's, it's, I'm very, I'm usually very successful for what the tags that I get to hunt, but running two businesses, having two young kids under 10 years old, the limitations are there. And I've just chosen to spend more time at home with some of the free time. Man, I, I don't do a lot of spring bear hunting. I don't do a lot of that stuff. I'm starting to do some turkey hunting with my son. As they get older, yeah, I hope to be able to go on those 12, 15, 20 hunts a year, you know, because they'll be with me, right? So, but at the same token, I couldn't agree with you more. You guys, from a from an applica- application in the field standpoint, that's where it becomes valuable. Because you look at guys that hunt out east In some states, you can hunt 5, 10, 15, white, whatever it is, right? ton of animals to put down. It's a little bit more, the conditions aren't as extreme. You look at guys like yourselves that are hunting the West, you're hunting the Midwest, you're hunting, you know, into Canada. So you're hunting more extreme terrain, long shots, close shots, different species, putting that many animals on the ground. There is a huge amount of value to your experience. And I think that's a testament of why you guys on this podcast has done so well is because you're living it in the ex- extreme senses, if you will, right? Because you take a whitetail guy that shoots 15 whitetail a year, not taking anything against you, but it's not the same. It's just not the same.
0: No, it's a more controlled environment, and not to bring up those stupid veins that we came up with, the the, the trad vein, right? I don't know if you've seen the debacle mm-hmm. over that crisis. It broke the yeah. internet. Oh, fuck. Been doing this 30 years. Don't need it. Do you backpack hunt? <laughs> cool. Do you hunt in really rainy conditions? Do you hunt South Alaska? No. I'm like, well, then why are you getting to vote? You know, <laughs> I didn't design this for you. I designed this for guys doing this. And mm-hmm. they're not going to hit the same as feathers. This has been done before. And it's like, well, look, I just came. I had a problem. I asked Greg to fix it, AAE. I think they fixed it. If you don't like it, don't fucking buy it. Like, this was something that I just wanted to help people with. And There's a mentality, for whatever reason, in all communities where I tried it, it's never going to work. We did it 10 years ago. You're stupid. And it's like, guys, look, this is just an option for people in more extreme conditions. If I hunted in a tree stand, I wouldn't give a shit if I hunted feathers or veins. I mean, it can rain in a tree stand, but, I mean, I get to dry out my stuff every night. But, like I said, I'd kill three men and a small baby to put veins on my arrows when I was on that grizzly hunt. It snowed every day, rained every day. Well, when we were in Alabama, it rained Oh, horribly, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, in December it was raining like every day and he was having to fucking powder up his arrows and dry them off and steam them, dude. It looked like I a huge the hassle, heater. All these arrows
0: up against the heater to dry them off every night. But see, that mentality is the same
2: mentality that's restricting growth and progress in, in this community, right? You look at other markets that are far larger than this. Is there... People that, that are old school, sure. Respect to the old school guys. I mean, a lot of the, them paved the way for people to learn things. But at the same token, things evolve. I mean, we're we're not sitting there cranking on the front of a vehicle anymore to, you know, to get it to go. We don't do that. Why would you? You know, riding a horse. Whether, I mean, if you want to do that because you enjoy a horse, great. When I got to get to work, I'm not going to saddle up a horse, man.
0: <laughs> it's just not what I want to do. Yep. I mean, that makes total sense. And I was talking to the guys with the push. their trad guys this morning and about eating our own, like the lines drawn. So there's the instinctual guys. This is stick bow, right? Guys that grip it, rip it. Mm-hmm. The clicker guys, the mechanical release, meaning the, the sure. tr- psycho trigger guys. Okay, that's a uh, Democrat and Republic right there, right? And then there's the... Anyway, there's a bunch of different lines. Now it's who's a good coach, right? There's a, there's a big debacle over who's a great coach and who's not. And it's like... Man, I just can't wait till we can come up with some other shit to hate each other for. Fuck, like we don't have enough problems with anti hunters and everything else. Which this is getting away from the the tech side, but it's part of it.
1: Um, has anybody ever put a D loop on a recurve and yeah. shot it with a release? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had guys that, that ask us to do that. Would that break the internet as well? I'm sure oh, I'm people sure would, would lose their minds.
0: Some. <laughs> I'm gonna. I tell you what. Yeah, I'm sure it would. I mean, some of these things is. What what some of that uh, stuff they were talking about was with the coaches was um, something got started on a uh, on a on a poster. I don't know, I wasn't involved in it, but it was um, a guy was hunched over, and I shoot hunched over, and in uh, a in an Aaron Snyder Tom Clum disciple, was like, well, Aaron does it, and Tom said it's doable, and. Holy shit. And immediately you got to stand upright. You got to do this You gotta, and whatever. And, and if a guy asked me, I'd say, hey, man, I don't have the greatest form. I can shoot just about as good as you can shoot, you know, within reason. But I, I do have some fucked up form. So don't don't really pay attention to me. You couldn't. God forbid you did it amicably and just talked it out. I wasn't even on it. Right. Just shit started to go. they had to delete it. Right. Where if somebody asked me, I'd just say, yeah, man, I kind of hunch over Goofy. And I, I got some Goofy form, but I keep good tension. And I've got other stuff that goes on that kind of evens it out. Oh, fuck, no. Can't do that, right? Everybody sucks, right? This guy sucks or whatever. And then I'm thinking, well, all right, you know, call me arrogant. How many people have been able to do what I've been doing with a stick bow? A lot of that's because of Tom Clump, right? And a lot of it's because of the support, guys like you behind me and everything else. I've been able to do what I've been able to do. Okay, because of guys helping me out and what I'm doing, you can't. Would it be better to stand upright? Of course. Right. Would it be able to start out with a hinge? Of course. Maybe it would be. But you know what? Not everybody's the same. And I mean, trying to talk it out and reason, it's just impossible. Everybody starts going crazy. And I mean, as far as on the tech side, You can't walk into a pro shop and say, I have to have 18% FOC to be successful because there's going to be a guy like Phil behind the counter that's been successful with 100 grains up front and looking at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't think I've ever shot 18% FOC. Oh, you got to work at it to get there. Yeah. Have you ever calculated it? I've never calculated it. I've started recently because of all the talk and I can tell you I've, I've run some compound setups. One, you're going to be lobbing logs when you get up there. And, I mean, everybody can say what they want until you have truly lobbed logs on a Western hunt. I mean, lobbing logs, I'm talking 230. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not good. And I would say, what's your arrow now, Four hundred eighty-five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: if I go with the hunter grain tip on, on it this year, it's going to be 475. If I go to 125, it's going to be 500. It just depends. I haven't decided what broadhead I'm going to hunt with yet. Mm-hmm. So, 475 to 500.
0: And with technology, with bows... I would say any animal in North America is going to have some problems. The only thing you might switch on a on a, a moose to a, sure. a fixed blade from a mechanical, but that arrow will do the job. Now, can a guy that is on a social media page profess his faith in extreme FOC? Of course he can. It's, it's the world. Can that guy show up to Phil's shop and out shoot Phil and to show everybody that that extreme FOC setup is better? Probably not very many. It's possible, sure. right? Yeah. It's there. But the bottom line is if that extreme FOC works for that guy, rub R- some funk on it. Run right? with it. Yeah. Man. But it's going to be hard to say a 13% FOC arrow doesn't work because it's been working for everyone or less for a long time. Now, this is where guys need to understand where I want to make sure I'm very clear. I'm not saying um, FOC doesn't help buck the wind or hire FOC. Mm. It's going to. But what I am saying is it takes such a Jedi master in tuning to reach higher numbers of FOC specifically with a compound. It's going to be hard to walk into a pro shop and say, hey, donate your life to my setup today because I don't know what I'm doing, but this is what I want. Because that can take to get an extreme FOC setup or, well, it's impossible to hit extreme on a compound, a high FOC setup on a compound you're looking at probably two and a half hours I would say to get that thing pretty well dialed in maybe two the 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 problem is this man
2: I mean you look at again the the I'm a 28 and a half to 29 inch draw length guy you know you're 29 inch setups that we know very well you look at somebody wanting to come in the door and they say hey I have this shaft already and I want 18 percent foc it's like look man by the time you add 200 grains to the front yeah. of that arrow, it's too weak. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the thing that people don't understand is that when you look at a spine chart, you need to be adjusting it by the weight that you're adding to the front of that arrow to adjust for that flex. Now, there's charts to get you starting points, but the way that that bow,
0: that arrow reacts through your bow specifically is not, it's not black and white. Well, and that's what to make sure I'm not taken out of context. I'm not saying it's that hard to tune a, a high FOC arrow. What is going to take a while is Phil's going to, excuse me, Phil or Hognuts or Bo or whoever's working over there. You're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to say, okay, here's the GPI for this specific spine. Okay. That's what you're going to need to put this amount of point weight on it. Now, roughly mathematical calculations, you're going to be shooting 248 and they're going to be like, what? <laughs> okay. So you just burned 10 minutes right there. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to go to this next one and they're going to, ah, okay. So now you've you know reinvented the wheel you've got what you need the exact length of that arrow is not going to be something at the forefront of my head or Phil's. so there's going to be some some dickering with that shaft you are going to have to cut it down <laughs> or move your arrow rest or whatever that's a time burner where if you said i want to shoot 125 up front and a 300 spine that's what that's 20 minutes right N- if that over in the paper yep. quick with extreme foc since there's not a chart for it really And the time I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I am saying, if you're walking in and you can't read a spine chart, you might want to learn a little bit more about archery. Because if I can walk into Phil's and say, hey, bro, this is what I want, that saves you time. You're handing me the shit and I'm good. When you walk in and say, this is what I think I want, that is an epic time suck. And you're probably learning that from some dumb shit like me or somebody else. And it takes time. Well,
2: and it's just, again, in context, you're so far on one end of the spectrum. Guys like Dudley and Gillingham are on so far one end of the, I mean, 32-inch, 33-inch draw length guys, right? You're shooting 85, five ninety pounds when you were shooting compound. That's that's so extreme. And that's where, is there anything wrong with that? No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that that type of build is not very common. It's, it's just not. So people just need to realize Dudley does it okay, that's great that Dudley can get away with probably wearing pink shoes when he goes out hunting. I don't know. I mean, it's just, he's, he's such a, same thing with Gillingham and McCarthy. Those guys are, you're on, you're talking about the elite, the extreme, the, the, the upper 1% and you're wanting to mimic them. And that's great because they're, they're getting it done. However, if you're a 26 inch draw length guy, 27 inch draw length guy, don't look at dudley's setup from the standpoint of trying to mi- mirror it look at it to see what's valuable from it he's just eliminated uh inconsistencies he's got good tolerances He's picked a good shaft and then see how it applies to you
0: don't want to mirror it you know what i mean is that what i'm I yeah, saying right? well i would say you could you could not mirror it you could emulate from it meaning if you're a 26 inch draw he's 32 he's at 520 you're going to have to start doing some major mathematical deductions. You can still shoot the same percentage of FOC up front, but your final setup will probably be closer to 410 right. or whatever, sure. 410 grains. As we're talking about this, it 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 again it boils down to learning this stuff and being accountable for your own ability and and things like that. I'm not saying you know there's there's good pro shops and bad ones, but um, I would have well I had a guy from I won't say what bow company, but a guy from, you know, it's the same thing for bow manufacturers. When you go to the extreme, when they built an 80 plus pound bow, I'd have guys message me. I built your bow today, dickhead. They don't want to mess with that, <laughs> right? They don't want to mess with tuning and, and prepping an 85 pound bow. It's a pain in the butt. And it's no different when you talk about the, you know, the extreme of, of anything and you, Again, when Gillingham was going off on the podcast about the <laughs> Gillingham's got a 33-inch draw, right? He pretty much do whatever he wants. He It's impossible for him to shoot extreme front of center. He can't. His arrow's too long. But you take a guy that's standard, which I'd say f- Frank's price standard. Are you 28? About 28 and a quarter-ish. 28-inch draw, and you're 70 to 75 pounds. Yeah. Um, I would say Frank's going to get a 350 or a 300 spine to shoot, and he's going to be anywhere between – on the far end, high 290s to the low end in the 260s, depending upon the yep. setup. It's, it's Phil's only job or his guys to say, what speed do you want to shoot for most people that walk in the door? And they're going to say, I'd like to be around 280. Your voting rights are fucking gone after that, because if you want to hit 280, there's only when he. There's only so many pieces yeah. to the puzzle. You, you'll, you don't have that much choices after that. But even
2: that piece of information a lot of times is unknown to, to customers. They'll walk in the door. You'll say, hey, well, how fast are you shooting now with your arrows? Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know? So then you walk over the chrono. You shoot an arrow or two through there, and you're like, okay, here's where you're at. You want to go to that specific arrow shaft and that build. This is what it's going to do to you. And that's when that that light bulb turns on. They're like, wow, that I didn't know that. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Right? So... Again, it's, there's great information out there, but you just need to see how it applies to you and and what's going to work for you. And I hate that saying, what works for you. I I really hate that because it's, it's, I I think it's kind of like a lazy statement to some respects. See if it's going to work within your, your specific bow, your style of hunting with what you're looking to kill and terrain, everything else, right? See where it fits in. If those characteristics lend itself well, you don't want to shoot a skinny shaft, Uh, Arrow, if you're shooting a big game, I I just, just to, to sacrifice that to get a bunch of FOC. I mean, that's, there's, there's trade offs and I, I think there's good trade offs and bad trade offs.
0: Well, and, and when you talk about the different, um, the different arrows and like, um, I'm not that familiar. The Dirty North guy's got some new ones coming out. Yeah. I haven't seen them myself either, but I I haven't seen them. They've got arrows. We've got arrows. Easton makes a great arrow. Gold tips makes a great arrow. And when you, Look at those different arrows. I say they make great arrows. They're at a price, right? You, yep. <laughs> You, you. I think most guys at their ability can probably get away with a .003, sure. no problem, especially at shorter draws because mm-hmm. you're cutting off a lot of the arrow. Um, I, I I mean, I think that um, as as you, well, how long did you shoot cheap arrows? Kind of rewind what we were talking about earlier. Man, I,
2: I don't think I started spending... Until I had the shop, is when I was getting stuff at cost that I was really starting to upgrade my setup. Right. I mean, I was, truthfully, that's that's what it came down to. I mean, I don't know, it was probably 2000, between 2006 and 2009 that I really started to understand flaws and imperfections. Yeah. And that's, I would say, 2008, 2009. Well, I opened in 2009. It was about when I started not limiting my budget on that.
0: And I would say that. Um... For me or for anybody listening, there was quite some time where I can only afford a dozen at a time. Yeah, right. You hide the money from the wife. You'd go in and hundred and nine bucks, and you buy them. And as you're breaking them, and you get down to four, right, you gotta go in and (laughs) buy more. That's life, right? I mean, so the chances of spinning four dozen arrows at one time are out the window. If you've got that much money, you got that much money to pay some dude to, to do it all for you anyway. So. As you're kind of doing that, um, there is certain things you can do when you're, meaning you can get a, what's an arrow spinner from Pine Ridge, 20 bucks? 35 bucks. 35 bucks. You can get one of those and make sure that your broadheads are spinning true. That That's almost free. Really, if you break it out over a year, you're talking about fractions of a penny. Right, best investments most hunters can get right there. Make sure it's, if it's not spinning true, you get it on the corner of the table, flex it a little, spin it again and get it, get it to where it's spinning good then make sure your knocks are spinning good you can get what's the g5 arrow squaring device that one's not cheap that's 45 40 45 bucks i think 40 45 lasts forever though basically oh, yeah. yeah, that is a good way to square your your arrows mm-hmm. i think those two things are far more important than asking someone to freaking index your 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 arrows as far as when you fletch them or find a spine line um figuring out which way your shit twists to match your freaking helical (laughs) to it those are all things that that don't matter things that do matter seem to get overlooked um well and you you mentioned it before if you
2: don't have that in your budget and all you can afford is a 005 series arrow go shoot them once you have that arrow that just keeps becoming a flyer and you've rotated the knock two or three times you can also always replace a knock right what's a knock a buck maybe yeah, right. Put, yeah. put it back in the number of your arrows so that way you know which ones not a flying well and then call them out. At that point, if you if you've paid 80 90 bucks for a dozen arrows and you end up with six or seven good ones at the end of it, hey, you've just you've weeded about the hard way or the long way I would say, but you saved yourself 80 bucks of tools in the process if you can't afford it. Yep. Just go shoot. I mean, but you're right. Those tools will Shorten the learning curve, for sure.
0: Well, and I would say, too, as you weed them out, you don't have to throw those arrows away. That, that's a stump arrow. That's a grouse arrow. A grouse arrow. Yep. Yeah, just label them, right, mm-hmm. so you know. And, and um, you know, other things for, for guys to, you know, to think about or whatever, and, you know, and don't, donating money and getting the most consistency out of your, you know, your bow is once you get a pro shop, you guys don't send anybody out the door without a bullet hole or real damn yeah. close. Once you do that, to get on Google, get on YouTube, start learning what you need to learn to know because you can't blame the shop if your string stretches, you're shooting knock high. Know these different things to look for and kind of learn, you know, become a, a master of the sport. And, and most of that becoming a master is is free. It's just hard work. You can learn a lot of that stuff along the way um, from trial and error and, and just putting some, some elbow grease in. So I don't know if we covered everything we... One or two, but I think we got the point across here. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: there's. There, I agree, man. I mean, it, I I found it very interesting with the videos you did or the podcasts, and and listen to some other ones with the FOC stuff. It's just there's some guys that really want to focus on that, put it high on their priority list. Man, do your thing. You know, if that's what you want to do and that's what works for you. At the same token, guys, I I I know more guys that are doing it well that don't do the the. Don't focus on the FOC as primary.
0: Yeah. I think we put it last night as like three or four out of ten of importance. And when I say that is just simply if I walk into Phil's and I've got a 70 pound bow and I want a 29 inch draw and I want to shoot 175 up front, I'm just gonna say, hey, I know my speed, you know, and 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 I'm even still with that setup, I'm probably still only at thirteen percent, right? I'm not very high. Um, so it's not that big of a deal to do moderate FOC. It's when you get into the high and extreme. So you know, don't expect if you want to shoot a fifty grain brass or whatever the hell insert weighs, you know, a little bit more. Throw throw 100 and 125 up front. Those are all fairly normal and natural setups. But if you're doing all of that and you punch the living shit out of the trigger and grip your bow, it's not going to help you, man. You got to work on the primaries. And I uh I I, just, I don't think I can preach that enough. Is is Man, it's, it's you making the shot. Your your gear is only going to carry you so far. Well, I agree. Frank, you got anything to add? Am I the only <laughs> one? You ate both? Yeah, I'm Looks a like bastard. you and I are fat bucks. Phil only ate one peanut uh, butter bar.
1: Trying to think of something like the uh, syphilis comment from last time, but it's, it's, nothing's coming <laughs> nothing's to me come. right now. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's coming. Never trust somebody that spells gonorrhea right on the first try.
0: I think we've, <laughs> I think we've said that before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the cholo doesn't drink. Kombucha, you don't like it, huh?
2: No, I do now and then. But I just had lunch before. I
0: haven't had one in a while. So. I've
1: got a Pua brewing. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I, uh,
0: I will say uh, you got to look at uh, the video that Dudley just posted. It's pretty freaking funny. Uh, it's a rocket, like, shooting out a rocket launcher and landing, like, 20 feet in front of them. It says FOC, people. Oh, I'll have to look through <laughs> Stirring shit up. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, again, people, common sense setups, using common sense, learn how to shoot a bow. Those, in my opinion, are the most important things. Don't don't focus on one thing or another. Focus on everything, and you'll be a hell of a lot better off in the long run. That's I all agree, you guys man. got. I I was... Fuck, Frank. <laughs> <laughs>